Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bullen. Ben, we are back from, uh, well, I don't know. Should we even mention this or not? But uh, Yeah, let's mention it. A little bit of an illness. Yeah, a little, a little bit vacation, some, yeah. uh, some holiday stuff. So we're back now. Everything's going so so. I've got, uh, I'm kind of, I'm on the mend still. How about that? Yeah, you're on the mend, and I got to tell you, man, it is good to see you because uh, you were the one who was walking through an illness. I, I always kind of seem to have a low grade illness that makes my voice sound weird. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, but you're sounding a little Ben Bolinish today. Oh no, no, no! I'm, uh, I'm always a little sinusy, little, uh, little uh, nasally sounding, but uh, even more so today. So if, if anybody's picking up on that, that's what's going on. I'm gonna push through this one. We're gonna do okay. I promise. <laughs> But gonna, uh, we've got a great topic. Though. Oh, yes, we do. This is a great topic, and this is a listener suggestion. That's right. It comes from uh, from Rudy Smith. And uh, Rudy, as we've mentioned in several of our uh, podcasts, several of our um, nuts and bolts type podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, he writes in often. He's a prolific writer to us, and uh, we, we love that. I mean, he always has a, some great ideas. One of the ideas that he came up with was jet sprint boat racing, or um, sometimes it's called sprint, just sprint boat racing, or right. or jet sprint. Um, but he mentioned that you know he had found kind of an unusual design of a boat online somewhere. I think he was just kind of cruising around and saw some strange looking boat with a roll cage or roll bar rather, and um, not a like not a big prop sticking out of the back or anything. Kind of right. a short boat, two mm-hmm. people, very fast. Didn't know anything about it. Wanted to find out what was going on. So he kind of poked around a little bit and found out that it was uh, part of this this series, this racing series called Jet Sprint Racing. And I would bet that a lot of our listeners have seen this but don't know really exactly what it's called or can place it until we mention exactly how it's run because mm-hmm. I think they'll, they'll, they'll picture it right away. Yeah, you'll recognize it if you haven't already clocked it. But if you were one of our listeners from New Zealand or Australia, then you already are well aware of this. A little bit of background to get into jet sprint and sprint boat racing. 
Uh, this comes from New Zealand, from a fellow named Sir William Hamilton, or Bill to his friends. He was developing the jet boat in the 1950s. Wow. Yeah, and so it goes back a bit. Uh, he was born in uh, 1899, I believe, and um, he never took credit for inventing jet propulsion, marine jet propulsion. He always credited Archimedes. Uh, so, you know, classy guy. And uh, he was the founder of one of the leading water jet manufacturers, CWF Hamilton Limited. So in the 1950s, uh, he sets out, he's trying to build a boat that can navigate shallow Fast rivers, mm-hmm. which we will later find is very important, right? Very, very important. Um, so the problem with a shallow river is that uh, if a river is too shallow, then propeller-driven boats can't really get through because the propeller will scrape the bottom of the river, right? Obviously. So uh, he started trying to figure out how to get something that wouldn't rely on a propeller and therefore could work in a shallow place with a with a riverbed, you know, just a meter or less around there. Sure. And he came up with this idea of uh, having a jet boat that draws in water from under the boat and then expels it out through a nozzle. So, Ben, I mean, this is uh, really, if you want to get down to brass tacks here, this is like the same type of, of propulsion that you would find in like a, a personal watercraft these days. I mean, that's the same type of thing. I mean, they don't have a propeller sticking, or a prop, rather, sticking off the back end of a, of a, a personal watercraft device. Because yeah. if, when you fall off of those things, you don't want this thing coming back at you, because they circle around to pick you up. Right, um, you don't want to get sliced. Exactly, yeah. I mean, there's so many, I mean, so many safety things built into those. I mean, you wouldn't believe it, but there's safety issues built in, or, or factors built into those things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is that they use this type of design that you're talking about, and it has, you know, an, um, there is an impeller, but it's inboard. It's, it's underneath, and there's an intake grate, and, you know, it runs through the impeller. The impeller pushes the water through uh, the pump housing, and then there's a steerable nozzle that uh, that allows the thing to be extremely agile. And that's what, uh, you know, you can find that you can find that these personal watercraft, um, they can turn on a dime, Ben. They're super, super agile and quick. Yes. And uh, and and likewise with these boats, as we'll find out, which is uh, is one of the really, really interesting parts about this mm-hmm. whole racing. Uh, when you watch them, you're not going to believe what you see, how, how quickly these things can change direction. Yes, and as we get into that, I've got to say two things for our viewers who uh, don't get a chance to see Scott Benjamin's famous notes. Today, Scott, you have drawn a pretty good diagram here of, of the engine itself. Oh, I, well, I try. I like to I, I like to point it out because it's still I, I wish more people could see these. I'm a visual learner, Ben. You're a visual learner. You're a visual teacher. Wait, visual learner, audio teacher. Yeah, I think that's that's tough. It's tough to translate that sometimes, and I hope that you know people can get the gist of what we're speaking mm-hmm. about sometimes because we do that. Um, if not, you know, look up a a jet boat design and find out exactly what you know what makes those things go because that steerable nozzle mm-hmm. that's the key to this whole thing. And there's a little twist to that that that, ha- that comes up that we're going to have to mention later, and I promise I will because it, it's uh, it's really really important. I want to stay with uh, Sir Bill, Sir Bill Hamilton, for a second because Scott, people were skeptical of this idea. In 1960, a Hamilton jet became the first boat to travel up through the Grand Canyon, and it went down the river through the canyon. So that that made the critics so quiet. It, so it traveled up 
upriver. Yeah. And so extremely powerful. Yes. And that so that kind of silenced some of the criticism. And, of course, if something can go that fast, then it's, you know, how long is it going to take for people to start racing? Them? Not very long. And what they did was they, they started racing in, um, I guess it would be, well, I, I guess you could call it natural rivers, right? I mean, yeah. I, I guess rivers that occur naturally in nature that, you know, um, these aren't man-made features to begin with. As we'll find out later, they, they do race in man-made features. But um, in New Zealand, around 1980, 81, somewhere in there, that was when they originally started uh, this this form of racing, this type of racing. And, of course, I know there were the river rat type boats that would just go up river, like what you mentioned with sure. the uh, with the Grand Canyon. Um, so you're going up against a, a heavy, heavy current, something really, really strong, and you're achieving speeds of you know 100 miles an hour. You know, going up river, which is incredibly fast. That's a, it's amazing. So you turn that back around. Imagine how quickly you could fly over that. But I mean, that's almost the speed where you can't see things approaching around the bend. I mean, there's some. Uh, POV type shots of uh, um, people doing this in New Zealand, people doing this in the United States, mm-hmm. doing it all over the place, really, because uh, you know this is spread worldwide at this point. Uh, but these river runners, I guess, maybe I don't know what you would call that type of boat. I think river runners or river rats, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they travel up river with with tourists, or you know, they they may have ten or twelve people on board sometimes. Sure. Everybody's wearing a helmet and they're all strapped in well. But they're they're literally going 100 miles an hour up the river, and it's it's really shocking to see them. I mean, you would you wouldn't think that they would be able to, you know, uh, divert around any kind of obstacle that comes in their way. But they're very very skilled, and, yeah. and they do so very well. They thread the needle all the time. Exactly. That's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. Thread the needle, which uh, scares me. Get out of my head. That is the <laughs> phrase I was going to use. And so it's not it's not surprising that these boats could. Uh, could be such a great idea for racing. Um, this goes back to our old friend, the power to weight ratio. Who I almost slipped on that one. Yeah, Scott. pretty close, but you got it that time. Right? <laughs> so that's good. So yeah, it's uh, they're very very strong boats, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, you want to talk about the, uh, the the classes now. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, there so- are two recognized international classes, but I've got a third one to lay on you. At really? The end. Okay. Uh-huh. So these two classes. I mean, I can I can mention them if you want, or do you yeah, want to? Please. Okay, do. All right. So the the two recognized or internationally recognized superboat classes right now, which are the, the ones that race in the series, and we'll get into the, the course and everything in just a moment, yeah. but um, we do have to talk about the power of these things, because I think it, it reinforces um, you know, just how fast these things can be. Mm-hmm. Now, Class A, uh, the engines are restricted to either 6.7 liter or 6 liter engines, and now the 6.7 liter engines, which are, that's a 412 cubic inch engines. These are big V8 engines. Yeah, these are not go-kart Engines. <laughs> now, these are massive, massive engines, and uh, they've got cast iron blocks and heads um, for the for the six point seven liter. Now the six liter engines, which are three hundred sixty five cubic inches, uh, those are allowed to use uh, aluminum heads in this mm-hmm. racing series. Now both sizes are have to be normally aspirated, and they both use four barrel carburetors. Now the fuel is like a hundred plus octane aviation fuel that they use in these things, so it's really strong fuel. And typically, now these engines in just Class A. Somewhere around 650 horsepower, Ben. So these are yep. really, really strong, even in Class A. Now there's one that's above that. Now the super boats, um, these, these are the ones that are, these are the, the top class, I guess. Um, now the engines, or maybe not, I mean, you're gonna have another one for me here, but engines in the super boat class have no maximum size, but they have a minimum size restriction. So you mm-hmm. can't, you can't run unless you have a certain, you know, low end size, I guess. And, uh, the normal, these are normally aspirated engines. They have to have a displacement of at least 
uh, 6.5 liters, which is a, about a 400 cubic inch engine. The forced induction ones are the smaller engines. They've got a second class mm-hmm. of engines. Now, the forced induction engines are, are 3.8 liter engines, which are 235 cubic inch, again, V8s. But they have to be, again, limited to 3.8 liters. And they're typically fuel injected to run methanol. Now, the small block engines that I just mentioned, those produce around 950 horsepower, Ben, that, that, uh, that supercharged or turbocharged version. Mm-hmm. The big block engines that I mentioned earlier on, the ones yeah, that, you know, the 6, 6.5 liters, they have to produce, or they typically produce somewhere between 1,000 and 1,400 horsepower. Which is just, again, these, these boats, I, I, I want to make sure we said this. These boats are only about 13 to 13 and a half feet long, so about f- around four meters. Yeah, picture a, like a wider, um, aluminum fishing boat. Yeah. Something like that. That's probably the best way, the best way to say it. They're, they're wide because they have two people and a, and a giant V8 smacked into the back end of the thing with, you know, this whole jet propulsion 1400. thing. 1400. 1400 horsepower on that. And it's only carrying two individuals, and it's a flat bottom boat, so you know it's it's go- it's well. I mean, it's got a little bit of a V hull to it, yeah. But it it is going to move fast. I read a uh, I read a pretty neat thing where they said that the race format uh, has two classes: insane and even more insane, <laughs> and, insane and insaner. And there's a reason for this because due to that uh, steerable nozzle, they're also very very agile. Um, so it's not quite. You know, like another thing, another very powerful engine-based racing would be uh, drag racing, by way of comparison. Sure, yeah. And drag racing is not agile. <laughs> this is very much like uh, this is very much like the power to weight of of drag racing in not not so much like top fuel dragsters or anything like that, no, where no, you no. get into those astronomical numbers, you know, with zero to one hundred and. Point two seconds or something. Yeah, not quite that, but there is a similarity. It, there's a similarity. It's so so powerful and so strong. But the agility thing—that's that's where this is really. I mean, this is so interesting to watch, Ben. And I think we should talk about the course a little bit. Oh, you've got. You oh, what? I forgot. Yeah, you've got one more classy one. Yeah. Mention before okay. we get into the course and the and right. the boats a Sorry. little bit more. Uh, the um, AFJSA, the Australian Formula Jet Sprint Association, does have a third class. It's not bigger. It's smaller. It's their 350 class. It's their entry level hmm. for people who want to get started uh, with jet spread. Okay, very interesting. I had no idea there was like a third class that was uh, – now, I wonder if that's an internationally recognized class. It's, I don't think it is. Maybe. I think it's just – it may just be for this association. Okay, very good. So so that's why it didn't come up in the, this uh, – I was looking for, exactly the, uh, for the internationally recognized classes, but I'm sure that within each different division there's probably you know some type of novice class or there's probably – I'm sure that they have like a uh, – I don't know, what do they call the old timers when they come out and run them? The, uh, the oh, legends. The legends, yeah. yeah. the legends or something like that. And maybe they have something like that. I don't know. I have a question. How long do these races typically last? Oh, oh wait, should we save that and talk about how what the course is like and then say how long they let's, last? Let's do that. How about okay. that? The courses. Now, the courses are um, now they're, they're they're handmade. They're they're man-made, I should say. Yeah, now that's a big switch that happened in the course of jet sprint history. Yeah, because remember they started in these natural rivers like we talked about and they did run, you know, kind of these uh, these it's almost like an autocross course, really, Ben. I mean, that's it's, a good comparison. I, I think there's a lot of different turns and a lot of different twists and things, and you have to learn the course. But um, these courses, if you ever take a look at one, you know, have have just the uh, just take a moment and and look up what a jet sprint course looks like. It's pretty easy to search online. You know, you find just Google Google the keywords or whatever, you'll find it. Um, but these these 
man-made courses. Now, they're so strange, Ben, because they appear to be dug out in fields. Now, they're, yeah. just, they're just kind of in the middle of nowhere. They like, look almost like uh, tiny canals. It's Yeah, it's a good way to put it. It's almost like they're on, uh, like they're out in a, like a state fairground or something like that, just right in the middle of nowhere. And the, the interesting thing is they've got so many different twists and turns and little islands that are built in them. It's, it's like a series of, you said, canals that are all connected, interconnected channels, and they've got a, a starting point and an ending point. And the ending point usually has a little bit of a turnaround so they can quickly you know, whip around and stop mm-hmm. at that point. But a start line, a stop line. And within these courses, Ben, like in that, in that small area, and it's only, it only covers an area that's about the size of a football field. Yeah. Uh, but it's very complex in the way they're laid out. Sometimes they will be asked to make 20 to 30 different direction changes in that in that space. Mm-hmm. And that means, you know, left turn, right turn, left turn, straight ahead, go around that corner, left turn again, you know, that type of thing. You know, back and forth, just honestly, that, that quick. They travel at speeds up to 80 miles per hour, mm-hmm. and the whole race is over in less than a minute. Yes, the entire race takes just 45 to 60 seconds. Now, we mentioned already there are two people on the boat. The team would be... The driver, right? Yeah. Um, or the pilot, if we do want to keep with the jet motif, and then the navigator. And the navigator is kind of like, th- think of sort of a, a spotter for a snipe team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they communicate through hand signals. So the, this is what gets me. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in this. I shouldn't be a navigator. I, I would not know what I was doing because it seems like they have to, Really memorize the course. Yeah, and can I just yeah. add one little little caveat to this? Yeah. Now the course, even though it looks complex, and you and you'll see that I mean twenty to thirty different changes, changes of direction, complete changes of direction in in that one minute time. So you can imagine how quickly they're they're flying around. Yeah. These things would make anybody sick, really. Mm-hmm. They're only handed the the course map because it changes every single race. They're only handed that course map minutes before the race, so the navigator has to learn the course. And memorize it, and then convey it to the driver with hand signals during the during that one minute, it, somehow effectively, so that they make it. Because if they miss one, they're out. You know, that's done. They're disqualified, or they 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 suffer a penalty. I think. Here's my question. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you and I are jet sprint team. Sure. All right. Let's say you're driving. Okay. And for some reason, I'm the navigator. Okay. Um. How how will you? drive that quickly with that many changes and see the hand signals. You know, I've been trying to figure this out over <laughs> and over again, and I've been watching videos. You know, I've been watching a yeah. lot of these videos, and I've been trying to pick up on, on the subtlety of what the what the navigator is doing in front of the, the driver because they're side by side. They're, they're shoulder to shoulder right. in this boat. So the, the navigator isn't really, they're not speaking, they're giving hand signals, and I think it's just a matter of keeping the hand, hand forward. It's kind of like, you know, your hand is, your uh, your palm is is to the side, so it's like peripheral vision. Exactly, peripheral okay. vision. I think he's watching the course. He's also watching the navigator's hand at the same time. You know whether he's indicating left, right, straight ahead. And I can't. I just for the life of me, I can't figure out how they do it. It's amazing because you know the track is only about you know five or six meters wide at, at the widest point. So right. these are like you know I don't know. I mean I'm going to say ballpark twelve to fifteen or eighteen feet wide at the most. And, uh, and so it's a really tight track. They're going 80 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. They got to make 30, you know, 20, well, let's say 22 or 25, um, direction changes in, in one minute. And, and they have to do it without making a mistake. 
Yeah, I don't understand how any of these any of this works out. I mean, these guys are professionals. The mm-hmm. uh, to be able to to take a map or a course that a course map that's handed to you just moments before the race and and somehow digest all that and remember all those turns, especially when you're out there, because you know it's a different perspective from when you're on the boat mm-hmm. in the water. Um, man, this got to be really tough. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Before we go on, I have to ask for some advice on something unrelated. Okay, what's that? All right, Scott, uh, here's the deal. Um, got some got some family coming into town, all types. Uh, they'll be here for a while. <laughs> you know, I know I can entertain them. We live here in Atlanta, a mini-splendored city. But uh, they've been here before, man. I don't know how the weather's going to be. I just want to curl up maybe by a fire. We can watch a movie and eat some popcorn or something. Sounds great. I've got one that the whole family could probably watch. I mean, it's a PG-13, so it's a little bit uh, limiting, but 
I don't know. I think this will be all right. I've got a, a decent selection, I think. All right. Lay yeah, it you on know, me. we talk about, we, we know we talk about cars a lot. We talk yes. about trucks. We yep. talk about, uh, boats and mm-hmm. trains and. If it flies, drives, or floats. And airplanes. You just said flies, right? So, yep. uh, airplanes, that's where I'm kind of going with this one because the movie that I've picked is The Red Baron. And it is from 2008. And it's based on the true story of the notorious World War One flying ace, you know, in his uh, in this this movie. It's kind of an action drama movie, mm-hmm. so that's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of uh, Hollywood made up stuff in here, but sure. not a whole lot. It's mostly factual about about the um, about the flying ace, and explains pretty much the life of. I think the guy's name was uh, Manfred von uh, Richthofen. I think maybe is that how you say it? And uh, he basically, well, he's the Red Baron. Everybody, right. everybody knows the Red Baron. Sure, yeah. Uh, Daredevil of the skies. He was a scourge of, uh, because he was, uh, he was a scourge of the British, wasn't he? Exactly. But you know what? He was, uh, he, he, from his very early childhood, I mean, he had a fascination with flying and he became like this, this renowned pilot. And really he was pretty young, Ben. I found out later and just, uh, that he died at age 25. Which you wouldn't expect. I mean, you would think that a guy with this type of history, this, he, I mean, people still know the Red Baron by name, I guess. You know, they know, they know the Red Baron. Sure. Maybe not his real name, but they know the Red Baron. And this is what, 90 years later? Mm-hmm. Something like that we're talking? Uh, so, you know, the, the legend has lived on. And, uh, I guess he was the top ace, uh, for, it was credited with something like 80 combat victories in the air. Wow. Which is incredible, Ben, because, you know, to be an ace, I think, I think there's kind of a, and I looked this up, you know, to find out what, what exactly it takes to become an ace. Now, he had 80 victories. And now, you have to win, I think it's like five or more air victories to be considered an ace uh, in your career, your entire career. Oh. So five five air victories, like you shoot down five of their planes in air-to-air combat, sure. in dogfight or whatever. Versus 80. Exactly. Now, some people have become an ace in a day. Which happens, it's not all the time, but it became more common during World War II. It was a little more rare before that point, and of course, obviously, with, uh, you know, in World War One. I mean, come on. And yeah, in the, in the age of the, uh, the technical, like the newest, latest technical jet fighters, you know, it's, it's even more difficult. There's less of that going on now. Sure. To be, to be honest. Um, but the thing that I think people are going to love about this movie is that there are tons of flying scenes, just lots of dogfight scenes that are just incredible because any of the, the scenes that I watched, uh, the, the sky was just loaded with these biplanes and the triplanes, you know, the ones with the three wings, like he, that's yeah. the type he flew. Uh-huh. Um, just incredible dogfight scenes throughout this whole movie. And I think it's really something that, that our listeners are going to really, really enjoy. I'd, I'd love to see that. I think my, uh, family would enjoy that too. You got a couple history buffs there. You know, I think so. And I mean, it's not necessarily like a Christmas movie or anything like that, obviously. But, uh, yeah, but, no. but I mean, I think it's an interesting story and I think, uh, I think people will really kind of latch onto this one. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, 
those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Yes, and uh, speaking of something being worth it, I want to address a question that some of our listeners unfamiliar with Jet Sprint would naturally have. Mm-hmm. They heard the fr- they heard us say a race generally takes forty five to sixty seconds. Mm-hmm. So your immediate question is, well, why the heck would I go watch? You know, why would I pay money for this sixty second race? Which is, you know. Part of the reason some people don't ride roller coasters. Why would you wait in line for something that's so short? Uh, but the good news is that these races are always multiple race events. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's like a weekend-long event type thing that happens, you know, and there are heat races that come down, and you're trying to beat the clock, really. Yeah, and there are qualifiers. And the course is always changing, and, you know, the teams are, you know, they're they're, they're all different. I mean, I, there's a lot of different boats that are running, and it's not like three boats are going to run the whole weekend. You're going to find right. that, you know, there's a lot of competition, and the boats themselves are really interesting. And when you said that, you know, these courses are really shallow, I mean, we mentioned that, you know, a lot of times they go out into a field, and they literally dig these with a uh, with a, uh, a bulldozer, mm-hmm. and they dig the right channels, and they fill them in with water. And so, what you're looking at is a bunch of really, like, low, like, real, real, real um, shallow channels that these things are running in. They don't, they don't need a lot of water to run in. So right. that's all they need. That's kind of keeps it safe a little bit. You know, they can, they can do it anywhere really. There's a couple of different courses around, uh, around the world really that um, are permanent, but you know, a lot of them are temporary. Um, so you'll find that you know when the the track, I guess the equivalent to track workers, I don't know what they would call. All these really the, uh, uh-huh. the the safety officials, yeah, they kind of stand out on these islands and they're they're always very watchful because um, you know when the boats do crash and they do they do come come out of the water sometimes, 
this shouldn't be too shocking. That's why they have the roll bar on top of them. Fairly you know, frequently. I mean, yeah, fairly frequently. That's probably a better way to say it, Ben. But a lot of times when they come out, they just kind of skid out on top of the ground, and that's it. And there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, they're not really tumbling and flopping or anything like that. You don't see a lot of spectacular over-end-type crashes. But you do see a lot of things like that because the power of these engines will sometimes just launch the boat. <laughs> yeah, it just shoots them right out. Now, remember, if you're digging something in a flat field and you've got, you know, you've dug it out with a, uh, you know, a, uh, a backhoe or whatever sure. or a bulldozer and, and then you fill it with water, you're pretty much at ground level. So when they do go out of the water, they just tend to skirt right out onto the, t- onto the surface of the mud or the grass mm-hmm. or whatever's around them. Mm-hmm. And it's really, there's not a whole lot to do with it. So, you know, it's, a, it's relatively safe for the drivers. Um, there's very rarely any time when a boat actually flips over mm-hmm. uh, because they're wide and they're sturdy. They're, they're you know, they're, they're uh, firmly planted in the water, I guess, if that's the way to say it. One other thing that I thought was interesting, at least in uh, this Australian association that I was reading about, uh, mm-hmm. I believe they have uh, five permanent tracks. So it'll be Tweed Coast, Griffith, Maryborough, Melton, and Timora. Mm-hmm. I'm apologizing for mispronouncing all of those, right? But uh, they weren't on our pronunciation list from earlier. <laughs> no, that's right. We're on our Australian pronunciation yes. list. But, the, uh, but what's interesting, at least in that association, is that you can have two teams per boat. So you can have a competition with, you know, um, Josh and Chuck driving. Josh and Chuck from Stuff You Should Know driving the boat one time, and then, you know, Scott and Ben from Car Stuff driving the boat. So we could have a How Stuff Works boat, Uh and we could have several podcast teams competing in that same boat against each other on the same course. Yeah. Okay, got it. Two teams per uh, event, though, so you can't have a boat that everybody is on. Well, understood. Okay, so... I think that'd probably be bad for the... The engine itself. Too, well, probably it? Yeah. a little bad for everybody, right? I mean, you don't want everybody using the same boat. Maybe that's uh, that'd be a little tricky to run. But no you know, nitrous oxide either. No nitrous oxide. Okay, all right, in, fair in enough. This, uh, so normally aspirated or carbureted, you know, carbureted. There, I think yeah. we mentioned that some are. Uh, I think there were some that were fuel injected, right? Yeah, um, some that were were um, supercharged. Mm-hmm. In the, uh, I think it was in the Australian series. Anyways, there's also United States, uh, the United States Sprint Boat Association or the USSBA. If you want to check out some stuff here, because the uh, in the, uh, the Pacific Northwest, I think is where they run a mm-hmm. lot of the the jet sprint competition here in the United States. So if you're interested in it, there, uh, you know, check it out. You know, you can find out stuff. You know, information from the USSBA. Um, okay, last thing maybe Ben. Okay. Because um, I think we've kind of covered this, and it's it's really really cool. And the uh, again that we say this so many times, but the the only way to get the idea across here, oh yes, for our listeners to really get a feel for what we're talking about here, because it's such a, a fast, it's a it's a huge adrenaline sport. Check out you know any kind of any kind of video you can about jet sprint racing or jet sprint boat racing or whatever they call it. I mean, I, I think jet sprint is probably the way to say it, um, and that'll that'll get you where you need to be. I think we can take this a step further, Scott, because I think that when this podcast comes out. If you're listening to it now, you can go to our blog on carstuffshow.com and just search for Jet Sprint and we'll lay out some of our favorite Jet Sprint videos. So you won't have to spend, you won't have to waste time weeding through the 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 horrid stuff. We'll just show you the highlights. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe some of the uh, some of the stuff where they harmlessly skirt themselves up onto the uh, the grass or whatever. You know, some of that type of stuff too. We'll throw can that I, in there. Can I tell you something funny? Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna mess with the videos when I post them up here. But there were a couple where uh, the people are going so fast, you know, in the race, and yeah. then someone skirts over the top, 
um, that in my head the Benny Hill theme song was playing oh. because it, it just matches some of it so much. It, it does seem like that, like those crazy chase scenes that he yeah, would have. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. I understand what you're talking about. Now, you know, we just one last thing before we move on here because I mentioned this earlier and I, I forgot to get yes, to it. But yeah. uh, we were talking about the whole propulsion thing with the steerable nozzle and the uh, the impeller and the pump housing and all that, how it works, right? Yeah. And how cool the uh, just the, the propulsion system is on these boats. And I think that in itself is probably a full podcast really but um one thing that that you realize like quickly is how how fast they can turn i mean they're just like turn on a dime type things in the water which you'd never ever expect yeah not an exaggeration it's nothing like a prop boat where you know if you're going 80 miles an hour you have to make a big arcing turn yeah if you turn the wheel you're going whichever way you turn the wheel Mm -hmm. and immediately and so the faster you go the faster you turn and the thing about these is now i kind of looked into the jet drive system and uh find out just why they're exactly so maneuverable because it's it's shocking how maneuverable they are um um, well, they only really work the, the the turning system in this these things. You know, the, the steerable nozzle thing. It only really works when you've got power going through it. Yes. So if you're going slow, if you're just idling and you turn the wheel, it's going to take you a long time to turn. It's going to be a slow, slow progression. But if you if you are going fast like these guys are in this in these courses, the faster you go, the more maneuverable it becomes. And I think there's a there's probably a point of return there, like a no, diminishing ex- return. Yeah, exactly, diminishing return. That's what I meant. But um, the faster you go, the better you turn. So you know it's Ooh. it's to their advantage to be able to go 80 miles an hour on these courses because you know you're able to turn just as fast as you want to. So you turn the wheel left, you immediately go left. You turn it right, you immediately go right. But the slower you go, the less that effect becomes. So, you know, it, it, it pays off, really, for them to go as fast as they do. I bet if we graph that, there's got to be some sort of sweet spot. You know, I bet it's possible to calculate the maximum speed for maximum maneuverability. And they probably know it. And they, oh yeah, they. I yeah, mean, these guys, these, they already know these these you know <laughs> these these engineers. They, of course, they know exactly what's going on because these things aren't put together in backyards by a lot of people. I mean, yeah, some well, some are. I shouldn't say that. Some are. Others are professionally built, you know, with the matching trailer and the travel system. And I mean, they, they're all types. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like any kind of other racing where you and, know you've got the the ultimate top end level, and then you got the guy that puts one together in his garage and, and does just what just as well. Yeah, and that's what uh, that's what I like. That's what we like about a lot of racing or types of racing. We love it when a race is accessible to everyone, not just as an audience member, but as a driver or an engineer. If you want it bad enough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and these boats seem simple enough to put together as far as, um, and I don't mean to downplay it, but there, there's really not a whole lot to them when you look at when you look at what's going on. I mean, they're big and powerful, and they've got a, an advanced system for propulsion, mm-hmm. but it seems like you could really put one together that can compete well at, at the local level, at least. Well, uh, let's just find a bulldozer and dig up the parking lot, <laughs> see what happens. Um That is probably not what we're going to do, but we are going to head out. Uh, Rudy, thank you for this excellent suggestion. Uh, Scott, let's see. We have, do we have anything that we want listeners to send us this week? Yeah, let's see. How about, uh, how about some email? I don't know. Maybe some tweets or something. Oh, yeah. uh, It's a little bit of uh, a little back and forth on Facebook. How about that? Yeah, we do uh, love hanging out on all three of those places. You can check out our carstuffshow.com website. That's right. We are moving up in the world. Uh, for more information about Jet Sprint, and if you want to send us an email directly, Scott, where should they send the email? Carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. 
send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. If you're committed to living a healthier life, you might want to look into working herbs into your wellness routine. There's a reason people have trusted them for thousands of years. Nature's Way understands that nature is the ultimate problem solver, and they're constantly inspired by the power of nature. For example, their ginger root and slippery elm bark have been traditionally used for digestive support. And St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support. And because Nature's Way sources from around the world and does a ton of comprehensive potency and quality testing in their state-of-the-art lab, you can be sure you're getting top-quality herbs. To learn more, visit naturesway.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 